in today's show. Not your usual recap show. We are looking back at the trade deadline, the players that moved, what it means for those guys, guys on current rosters, the big winners, the big losers right across the league. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Like I said, they're not the usual format here. We're not recapping Thursday's games. I don't know if there's going to be a huge amount to take out of them anyway. But what we've done, we've settled. I've gone through, I've done projections, initial projections. Um, again, this stuff will change over the coming days when we actually see if teams use players in different ways to what we anticipate, which undoubtedly will happen, and we'll make those adjustments as we go through. But had a bit of time to sit on this here. We're like, what, five hours since the trade deadline has passed, or six hours since the trade deadline has passed. So just having a look at what is actually going on across the NBA. Let's talk about that right now. And we'll start by looking at it on a team-by-team basis at the end of this show. And if you are watching here on YouTube, you can see the timestamps. We will go. I will go through probably the top... Um, the, th- the top winners and the biggest uh, losers, I guess, but you know, or drop candidates uh, at the end of this trade deadline. For the Hawks, pretty simple one. For Atlanta, um, uh, Lou Williams is in and Rajon Rondo is out. Williams, you'd imagine, will play a relatively similar role that he did with the Clippers, 20 minutes or so off the bench. It has probably... You know, Rondo was barely playing in Atlanta, so Williams will probably play more. There, that means they still don't have another backup point guard unless they're expecting Chris Dunn to fill that role, but he's not really a point guard. He is by official position designation, but he's not really a point guard. So you're going to have guys like Bogdanovich and Herder and Williams and those guys and Reddish when he returns handling the ball. I think this does hurt someone like Kevin Herder, and he probably is looking to be a dropped. Uh, Bogdanovich may be on the, on the fringes there as well. Um, so there are some concerns. Williams, obviously, is not a 12-team league option. And uh, that's that's the big adjustment there. But I think yeah, just adding another wing who is a better player, or another guard that's a better player than the guy going out, it does complicate things somewhat with that. You know, with your Hunter, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Herder, Reddish, Dunn, and now Lou Williams combo. Um, some of those guys aren't going to play every night. And when they do play, there might be some reduction, I think, in their overall production. Let's move on now to the Celtics and a lot more. We're not going to cover every team because not every team made moves. So Brooklyn didn't make a move, but let's look at Boston. A lot happened here with Boston. Evan Fournier comes in. Flaming Mo Wagner comes in. Luke Cornett comes in. And then going out, Vanilla Tice, Jeff Teague, and Javante Green all on the way out in Boston. So that Tice trade is pretty, it's confusing from a basketball perspective, but basically it's a cost-cutting move. 
So they get worse to save some money, which is not ideal for a team that's in a market which should be considered a pretty big market and a team that's you know always pushing to be a championship contender, Eastern Conference finalist last year, to make a move to get rid of a good player for worse players back to save some money. It'd be pretty disappointing, I think, as a Celtics fan. And Celtics fans have been disappointed for years with trades, you know, the whatever the bullshit was with the Gordon Haywood, Miles Turner fall through, and you got your trade exception, which wasn't used, of course, here. Um and nearly being in the market for every single superstar and never getting anybody, just that continual bullshit. And now this, you know, with ownership or you're know, wanting, because oh, I assume it's ownership that's saying you, we don't want to pay the tax and making moves like that, it's a bit confusing. Now, if we want to talk about hey, guys that, that gain value, I think the rock DJ Rob Williams goes through the roof here. Because instead of three centers, there's two. And is he better than Tristan Thompson? Probably. Will he play more minutes than Tristan Thompson every night? That's not a guarantee, but he should. Is he potentially going to be their starting center? I would say yes. Well, almost guaranteed he starts their next game because Thompson's out due to health and safety protocols. So Rob Williams, who is rostered in 56% of ESPN leagues, 63% of Yahoo leagues. Now, in most competitive leagues, he's long gone, but there are some that he's still around. Guaranteed must roster guy. I think that he's top 30 almost the rest of the way on the back of large field goal percentage, great blocks, good rebounds. It's not every category, but he's going to hit some categories in big, big ways. As for someone like Evan Fournier, who's the 77th ranked player this season, I think that drops pretty significantly. 40, 50, 60 spots, perhaps. He was playing like 33 minutes or 32 minutes a night. He was scoring at a really high rate, and now he and he was handling the ball a lot. And now in Boston, a lot of those things won't be the case. He won't be the number two scorer behind Nikola Vucevic, as he was in Orlando. He'll have Tatum. He'll have Brown. He'll have Kemba. We have Marcus Smart, who are going to have the ball in their hands a lot more. So usage goes down. He probably won't start for the Celtics. He almost definitely won't close games for the Celtics. So you're losing playing time there for Fournier. And then usage and ball handling opportunities probably drop off as well. So he is a guy, we'll probably talk about this later. Actually, I did my drop candidates. I don't remember who's on the list. So that'll be a surprise for me when I get there as well. But he is a guy that is maybe a drop. Definitely someone to consider as a drop. Um, and, and we want to see how this p- plays out over the next couple of days. But he is absolutely trending downwards. Tristan Thompson, even though Tice goes, he, he's not a good fantasy player. So he's not someone I think we should be looking at as um, as an option for us as that uh, yeah, must-roster type player. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ig, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus as well. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. I also have to tell you about a fantastic sponsor of today's podcast. And this is the first sponsor who is really keen on doing the YouTube sponsorship, and it's Manscaped. And they sent me their they sent me their package. Hey, where, where is the noise? Giggity! Support for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools, precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com. 
they send you all of this great stuff. The Lawnmower 3.0. I am, because uh, we're doing this on video and they want me to see it. Look at this. The Lawnmower 3.0. Handy little. Oh, yeah, listen to that noise. Lawnmower 3.0 with its advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident in shaving my, uh, shaving my body. Shaving my body indeed with its uh, ceramic blades just to reduce those grooming accents. Nobody wants to nick themselves right on the scrot. Nobody wants that. We want to be safe, and that is exactly what this does. But that's not all that they can give you. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also gives you Crop Preserver, a ball deodorant. It gives you the Crop Reviver, which is like a ball toning spray. That's that one there. They even throw in two free gifts in their Perfect Package, a high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs and a travel shed bag, which is fantastic, actually, when you go away. Fantastic, the Manscaped Travel Shed Bag. Um, also got the Crop Mop, Ball Wipes, and they threw in the Weed Whacker as well for ear and nose hair trimming. There you go. The Weed Whacker, Manscaped. Fantastic stuff. So 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com. So get 20% off with that free shipping code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code LOCKEDONFANTASY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. But you didn't get to, but you didn't think you'd be seeing a, uh, a, uh, a, a testicle trimmer on today's show, but here we are. Always full of surprises for you. All right, let's move on to the next team that we're going to look at here, and that is the Hornets. Really not much to talk about there. Brad Wanamaker comes in, um, and he will probably just be the backup point guard now with Devontae Graham starting and LaMelo Ball out. Yeah, so that's there's not a lot to talk about, I don't think, with Brad Wanamaker, but the next team is definitely pretty interesting, and we're talking here about the Chicago Bulls. In comes a whole bunch of players. It's Bolson. It's Big Bolson. Bolson's in. Bolsovich. Nikola Vucevic, the chief, El Camino. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Vanilla Tice, Javante Green, Troy Brown Jr. all come in. Going out, Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., Luke Cornett Jr., Chandler Hutchison Jr., and Daniel Gafford Jr. All on the way out in Chicago. So, what does this mean? Well, Vuce coming in, I would imagine drops his value down a little bit. Not a huge amount, but drops it down a little bit. Now, Vooch has been great this year. He is the 16th ranked player. I think maybe he drops five, six spots. That's about it. He'll play good minutes. He'll have good usage. He's going to demand a lot. I think what it does do is it drops the value of Thaddeus Young down a little bit. He's the 74th ranked player this year, Thad, in 24 minutes. But, or 25 minutes, sorry. I do think that that'll drop somewhat. Remember, even as a starter, he was playing like 25, 26 minutes, and now Vooch comes in and plays like 35, and not those you know, 27 minutes or whatever it was that Wendell Carter was playing. Now, I think there's a possibility that Thad starts next to Vooch and Larry Markinen comes off the bench. I do not believe that Larry Markinen is in the Bulls' future plans. So I think that's a possibility of something that could happen here. But keep an eye. So Young is possibly in the drop candidates. I'm not doing it just yet. He's possibly going to be there. But these other guys that came in, Javante Green, Troy Brown, the Chief Al Farouk Aminu, no guarantee that those guys are in the rotation. I think it does hurt someone like Patrick Williams a little bit as well, um, who, you know, with, with again, Vooch coming in, he was starting at the three. Um, it, it probably does limit his overall value and upside, although I would be very interested in they just said, well, we're playing Pat at the four and Vooch at the five. I, I don't think they're going to do that. But I think it just caps a little bit of his upside because, you know, Vooch's minutes are going to be way higher than the guys going out like Otto Porter and Wendell Carter. 
Maybe you see Aminu playing some of the Porter bench minutes. Maybe Troy Brown plays some of those Porter bench minutes as well. But there's no guarantee that they're even a part of the rotation. And the other problem you have here is Daniel Tice coming in. Now, Tice was a guy who's the 146th ranked player this year. He's going to lose an absolute ton of value. He's not going to play those 24 to 25 minutes a night or 28 minutes a night. He's going to be exclusively pretty much a backup behind Vooch. Now, he could play together with him. But Thad Young, Lowry Markinen, Patrick Williams, all those guys are going to play those power forward minutes. So I don't really see um, I don't really see that clear path for uh, yeah for big production for Daniel Tice in, in that scenario. It just it just doesn't make sense to me. So if you did hold on to him in a twelve team league or even a fourteen team league, I feel like it's pretty tough to um, I feel like it's pretty tough to justify him as being a hold in that scenario. How the Bulls all look is going to be really interesting. Now, I don't think this really changes a huge amount a huge amount for, say, someone like a Thomas Adoransky, uh, a Zach Levine even. Uh, Kobe White still becomes a uh, – or still is a droppable player. Again, I don't think there's a huge, huge change in what his value is. Uh, again, just a marginal drop for Vooch. Aminu and Brown may not be in the rotation. A pretty sizable drop for Daniel Tice, even though maybe he can play with Vooch. I just don't. With Thad and Markinen in that spot, I actually think it drops Markinen's value down quite a bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a droppable player. I, I don't think he is yet, but I, given his his limitations, I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, Williams and Young, you're, you're the bulk of the minutes there. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm not I'm not convinced that, that Markinen's going to be able to... Um, to maintain that level of value, considering the uh, he has so many struggles, and the Bulls are just like, well, we don't actually care that you're young and developing. We're going for it now, um, and that that could spell some t- trouble for him. I think. I think there is a real um, a real risk of that happening, just just because of you know the the type of player that uh, that that he has been uh, in the past and the limitations that we have pretty clearly seen from him. Over the course of his uh, of his career so far, um, all right. Let's move on. Next team probably won't be as involved, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. One move here: Javale McGee out, Isaiah Hartenstein in. So Hartenstein will become the backup center in a deeper league. He can be a valuable op- option. I think maybe it marginally helps Jarrett Allen, but I don't really think they were limiting Jarrett Allen so they could play Javale McGee. Sure, in some ga- games that did happen. But it didn't happen in yeah, most games. So it wasn't a, like oh, McGee stealing all of Allen's minutes. I don't think that was the case. But Hartenstein, at least someone who now should have a rav- relatively regular rotation role, um, which is you know, can only be said uh, to be good for his overall value, I would imagine. Let's go on to the next game or next game, the next team. I'm in. Uh, I'm in my standard uh, standard mode here. The Mavs. JJ Redick and Nicole O'Malley come in. James Johnson and Wes Owundu go out. Mali, I don't think, will be in the rotation. Redick should be, but Johnson and Owundu weren't. So someone's going to miss out here. Trey Burke's eight or ten minutes. They're gone. Does he cut into Jalen Brunson and Tim Hardaway? Maybe a couple off Josh Richardson. But Redick, remember, hasn't been very good this year. The shooting's not the same. He's currently injured. We're not looking at him at any any sort of uh, fantasy value, really, from Redick outside of very, very deep leagues. He's the 295th ranked player this year, so that should give you an indication of where he sits. So I wouldn't be getting any sort of excitement there. Maybe you'll get some games where Mally plays um, if Kleber's struggling, but really not a lot that changes with the Dallas Mavericks, but it is good to... Um, 
it is good to have the uh, the, the knowledge that uh, there's someone else is coming in and how that you know, it's going to probably Trey Burke. But again, this is very very deep league stuff that we're talking about with Trey. Let's go on now to the next game. Or the next... Man, I've got to stop doing that. The Denver Nuggets. Uh, a lot has changed here. And this is really important, I think, for fantasy basketball because Aaron Gordon is in, JaVale McGee is in, and uh, one of the Garys that got traded, Gary Clark. Nice, Gary! He's in. They lose Gary Harris. Nice, Gary! RJ Hampton and Isaiah Hartenstein are all out. But the big news, I guess, is Aaron Gordon. Now, Aaron Gordon is the 140th ranked player in category leagues this year. Right, that's not particularly good. He's had one top 100 finish in his entire career. And while I think he can be valuable for the Nuggets as that really interesting 3-4 switch defender who can go up to fives and guard down a little bit as well and has shown some ability to shoot more this year, thinks at 37% from three for the season, what a lot of his value or recent surge in value was because he was playing as a point guard on the Magic. And he's not going to do that here because Big Chungus Nikola Jokic is going to be the point guard. Jamal Murray, the headmaster, he's going to be the point guard. Farton Will Barton, he can handle the ball. Oh, and Monty Morris, the best assisted turnover player in the entire NBA, he's also going to handle the ball. Oh, and there's also Faku Kompazzo who can handle the ball. So do you want to chuck the ball in Aaron Gordon's hands to be your primary initiator, secondary initiator, tertiary initiator? It's good that he can do it, but it's not going to be the same level as it was for him in Orlando. So to me, he is losing a pretty significant chunk of that value. The minutes will be fine. But again, this is a guy who's been a top 100 player once in his career. He has good defensive stuff. He doesn't bring defensive stats. Now, maybe that's a scheme thing. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out, won't we? Um, and poor free throw shooter. His usage probably drops as well with Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter, Will Barton. These guys aren't shy to shoot. And he's going to be in that starting lineup. He's going to just take the Paul Millsap role. Now, of course, this hurts Millsap a lot, who's the 160th ranked player. I don't think Millsap can be top 200 from out of here. It hurts Jermichael Green, who's got a real chance to be out of the rotation with Gordon and McGee coming in. I think Green won't play most nights. I think it also hurts Campazzo a little bit because just getting a couple extra bodies in there, I mean, he won't necessarily play every night. Maybe even hurts PJ Dozier in that setting too. Does it hurt Michael Porter? Maybe a little bit, maybe a minute or two get taken out. Porter's best value is playing at power forward. And with Gordon there and then Millsap coming off the bench, he's going to get very limited opportunities to do that. It's great for the team. I think the Nuggets are the big winner from the trade deadline in terms of overall team performance. But I think this really does hurt Aaron Gordon's value. Is he a droppable player? I think it's pretty close to it. In points leagues, I might hold. And I probably still will hold in fantasy leagues. I want to see what happens in the first, in category leagues. I want to see what happens in the first couple. But to me, it's not great. And Aaron Gordon's reputation as a fantasy player far exceeds his actual results. And then when I said initially, when I woke up, when Aaron Gordon's gone to Denver, it's four in the morning, what the bloody hell's going on? I said, oh, Gordon might be a drop. Aaron Gordon, are you joking? Aaron Gordon's a drop? What are you talking about? Like, that's the reaction that you get from it because Aaron Gordon's a name that people know and they think that he's better than he is. I think he's averaging 13 points per game this year. Um... Yeah, no steals, no blocks, low threes, bad free throws, assists will drop. Uh, I'm not, I'm not confident in him at all here. McGee, that's just deeper league stuff. Gary Clark won't play, um, but, but that's that's the big change there. Again, getting Gordon in, I think marginal hit for Porter, marginal hit for Barton, a big hit for Millsap, uh, and a pretty big hit for Monty Morris, who is set to maybe be like a 28 minute a night guy. Um, as a starter with Gary Harris, you know, still dealing with that uh, groin problem. Guys, I've been telling you for a long time, the longest time, in fact, about the best tasting protein bars ever. 
You know what they are? Built Bar. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now it's time for us to decide the best tasting Built Bar ever. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, we're looking at coconut marshmallow puffs versus the mint brownie bar. Now, I haven't had the built puffs, so I'm going to vote mint brownie. It's it's bloody delicious, so I'm going to vote that. So if you want to vote that, go to builtbar.com and cast your vote or go to their Twitter handle at bar underscore built and cast your vote. And when you want to place your order, because you're going to want to do this, you need to use the code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right. What's the next team that we're going to look at here? Well, we've got the... Let's talk Detroit Pistons because I, I covered it off briefly yesterday with the move. Actually, no, we've got... Um, what, did, I, did I miss one? No, there we go. I had it up on the screen. What am I talking about? Corey Joseph's in. DeLon Wright is out. Corey Joseph is not an ad. What this does, I think, is boost some of the value for MC Hamadou Diallo. It boosts Dennis Smith a lot. I'd be adding Dennis Smith in in 12-team leagues. Killian Hayes is going to come back, but I reckon we're four or five weeks away from that, and even then, he'll be on low minutes when he returns. I wouldn't be adding him as a stash, maybe an injured reserve, but I don't think he's going to influence 12-team leagues this season. Smith's the guy for me that I'd be adding. Diallo's an option, but he does have some real percentage problems, and he's not a high volume three-point shooter. Josh Jackson might get a boost, but he has those same Diallo-type issues. Uh, Wayne Allington's still around, so we know how much Dwayne Casey loves using Wayne Allington as a starting shooting guard because of his shooting, and that's going to have an impact on Jackson and Diallo there as well. But Smith, to me, the clear winner in Detroit. Obviously, nothing happened with Mason Plumlee. Nothing happened you know, to boost up Isaiah Stewart. Maybe those minutes do come down a bit as the seasons go on, as the season goes on for Mason Plumlee. Now let's go on to the next next team. It is the Warriors. They lose Marquise Chris and Brad Wanamaker. Chris is not going to play this season with a broken leg, and Wanamaker was already out of the rotation. They're just clearing roster spots, maybe saving some tax money, maybe looking for a buyout guy, but no actual change at all to the um to the Warriors rotation at this stage. Let's go on to the Houston Rockets because there is some changes here, of course. Um, we didn't get news of it until after the trade deadline had officially passed, but Victor Oladipo is out. And they also brought in Kali Olenek and Avery Bradley with a pick swap, which is an absolutely horrendous return for Victor Oladipo. Basically, two expiring contracts who are worse than Oladipo. Oladipo's not that great, but that pick swap's never going to convey. Unless you think the Heat are going to be worse than the, than the Rockets next season, that pick's not going to convey, or that pick swap's not going to come into consideration. So... Who are the winners? Well, obviously, Kevin Porter Jr. Now, I think there is still a chance that Porter doesn't start in place of Oladipo because they want to use him as that second unit ball handler and they start someone like Sterling Brown or even Avery Bradley in that position. I don't think Kelly Olynyk starts. I think they still go with the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate, but the arrival of Olynyk does have an impact, I believe, on Kenyon Martin Jr., who could have gotten some of those four and five minutes. Olynyk can do that. I don't think Kelly is a guaranteed must-roster player, but I, I, I would want to see how this pans out because there is a chance for him to play a 27-minute role consistently. Now, he might not. He might play 20 minutes a night behind Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate, but I think that he can play a decent enough role here. I think we get a bit of a boost for Daniel House. Deeper leagues, you get a boost for Sterling Brown, but the potential upside of Kenyon Martin gets hurt. Kevin Porter, again, I'll just mention this. He's rostered in 64% of Yahoo leagues and 50% of ESPN leagues. Like, get your fingers out of your assholes. He needs to be added. His upside probably jumps even further 
will definitely jumps further if John Wall does have knee surgery. Wall's value probably rises as well, although he's going to hurt your field goal percentage more because he's going to be taking more shots in that scenario. So we just have to be aware of that. But his value is going to jump up in that situation just because he's going to take an absolute shit ton of shots. And the crucifix Christian Wood is probably also going to see an uptick in his usage, but he was already looking pretty strong. But I think top 20 is a real possibility here for the crucifix as we move forward. While Wall, again, he's just going to be hurt by that lack of field goal percentage. While Porter, I think, can be maybe top 70. And then if Wall is done, then yeah, top 50 is a possibility for Porter. But he does push into that top 100. But like when talking about Josh Jackson or talking about Hamadou Diallo, he has efficiency problems. He's a poor three-point shooter. He's a poor free-throw shooter. He can be relatively inefficient from the field, but he's brought some good defensive stats. He can be a decently high-usage scorer with the way this team is now set up without Oladipo. So that is... Um, that is pretty important to, to note, one of the, the more important moves uh, on trade deadline day. Um, we did get some news on the Indiana Pacers. Um, I don't have them listed on my sheet here, but TJ Warren is out for the season, so obviously you can drop him. Solidifies Karis LeVert and Justin Holiday and TJ McConnell. They also brought in O'Shea Brissett on a 10-day contract and waived Jalen LeCue, but they, they, these are moves that don't really have any impact. Let's talk Clippers because they brought in Rajon Rondo and they got rid of Lou Williams. Now, Rondo was pretty trash in Atlanta, but there's a chance he plays more minutes here in uh, in LA for the Clippers. He's going to be competing with Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Patrick Beverly when he returns. I wouldn't say that Rondo is a must-add player, but his ability to maybe generate six assists, five assists in 22 minutes, if he gets that much, is something that you at least monitor as an assist and steal streamer, like a poor man's TJ McConnell, like a Faku Kompazzo. But again, there's still a lot of guards there who are in, in the mix with Mann, Jackson, Kennard, uh, Beverly, and now Rondo. Williams was only playing 20-ish minutes a night. I'm not sure Rondo gets all of those minutes, but he very well could, and he could actually start for this team. There is a possibility of that. So be aware, keep an eye on Rondo without him being any sort of must-roster player. If we go on to the Miami Heat, some very interesting changes with this squad, of course. They made that trade to get Victor Oladipo in. They bring in Nemanja Bielica, and it all looks like it's a guarantee at this point that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be uh, signing with them. He has been waived by the Spurs, bought out, gave back, what, $6 bucks or whatever it was, and he will be signing with the Heat. You don't need me to tell you how dumb and stupid that system is, but Aldridge is going to be signing with the Heat. So there were pl- people rushing to add Nemanja Bielica. He's going to be their starter, guys. The Linux gone. He's taking that role. No, he isn't. LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be that, and I think even Trevor Ariza would have been that ahead of Bielica. Bielica is an interesting depth piece, but what happens with the guards now? I have no idea. Avery Bradley was playing like 20 minutes a night, so Oladipo comes in and takes that. Yep, He's not going to play 20, but he probably won't play the 34 he played for Indiana and uh, for Houston. Maybe 30 minutes a night for Oladipo. It's going to kill Kendrick Nunn. He's probably out of the rotation. It's going to take some minutes off Goran Dragic and ease his load. Oh. Giggity! As we move forward. Um, and I think it also probably reduces some of Tyler Hero's playing time also. I think it re- reduces Oladipo's overall value going to a team that's significantly better than where he was. And if Oladipo, who's the 65th ranked player this year, if he's not a top 100 player this season, don't be surprised. Uh, Dunk Robinson, who's been a drop uh, all season, I think he's a drop. Goran Dragic is a 12-team league drop candidate as well. 
Keep an eye on what they do with Ariza, but I'm pretty sure that Aldridge is going to start there, and that means Ariza and Bielitsa are getting those bench minutes, so that's going to really reduce them. I wouldn't be adding Bielitsa in 12s or 14-team leagues. I probably wouldn't do the same for Ariza. Um, I, I think Dragic and Robinson are 14-team league guys. Tyler Hero, 130th-ranked player this year in 32 minutes a night. He's going to have to lose some of that playing time. Now, at the time of me recording this, he is having a pretty big game on Thursday, but that's because you know, Oladipo's not playing, and Dragic isn't playing, and Butler isn't playing, and Okpala isn't playing and Bielitz is not there and there's a, and Aldridge isn't there. So there's just a bunch of things going into some big games. Now, he might have some big performances, but Oladipo replacing Avery Bradley, um, Aldridge coming in as well, who's going to take shots, is not a good recipe for me for Tyler Hero to become a, a great option. So I think he loses a ton of value here and I think he is probably going to be a 12-team drop along with Robinson and Dragic and Bielitz if you did add him and Kendrick Nunn. For the Heat, they sent out Kelly Linick, Avery Bradley, Chris Silver, and Mo Harkless went out as well. They were a part of the Nemanja Bielitsa deal. Let's go on to the next team. We're looking at the New Orleans Pelicans now. No need to cover Milwaukee or Minnesota. They didn't make any moves. The New Orleans Pelicans did. It was a pretty straightforward one. Uh, James Johnson in. One more time for Jim Johnson. He's in. Wundu comes in as well, and they send out JJ Redick and Nicole Lomelli. So Lonzo Ball, while he is injured at the moment, the stash of Nikhil Alexander-Walker probably isn't going to pay off, but while Ball is injured, Alexander-Walker has that value, but after that, we'll see what the role is, but 21 minutes a night for Alexander-Walker, probably not going to cut it. I don't expect Johnson or um, Uwundu to be consistent every night players. Uh, they could, but I, I don't fully expect that. And then Eric Bledsoe, as we know, has been a drop for a while. Stephen Adams, I think, continues to remain a drop who can be a specialist at at certain times, but not a really big change there. It just It does make Alexander Walker expendable and a probable drop candidate, especially when Lonzo Ball returns uh, from his current injury where he's dealing with that hip problem. Let's go on now. The next team we look at is the New York Knickerbockers. They made moves. They were very low end. And apparently, and I haven't talked about Andre Drummond yet because we don't know where he's going. Brooklyn, LA, maybe the Knicks. These are the teams that are all still rumored in, involved in this. Um, but they did make some moves today, the Knicks, with Terrence Ferguson and Vincent Poirier coming in. Now, Poirier is going to get ra- uh, waived. And then Austin Rivers and Iggy Brazdakis going out. So honestly, just the biggest bunch of nothing moves you'll ever see. So nothing really changes for the Knicks uh, on the back of those moves. Let's move on now. The next team we've got here is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, not Avery Bradley. Tony Bradley and Austin Rivers come in while George Hill goes out. Now, George Hill wasn't playing. So, again, the questions that were thrown out there, Josh, who's the winner with George Hill at? He wasn't playing. So, it's going to be the Salt Flake, Theo Maladon. It's going to be Ty Jerome, as it has been for the last two months that George Hill hasn't been there. Now, the different variable there, of course, is no Shea Gildas Alexander. But last game, we had a pretty good good look at it and it didn't look too good for those guys. I'm not adding you know, uh, Teo or I'm not adding um, Ty Jerome in 12-team leagues necessarily. You could add him, especially Teo if you're looking for an assist, but far from a must roster. But then the, the big question, I guess, is what the hell happens at center? Because Tony Bradley's fresh off a really big game. Al Horford was not traded. He was not bought out. He won't be bought out, in my opinion. I think he's going to rest an absolute ton here down the stretch. If he sits you know, 10 games, I, I wouldn't be surprised. So he is going to miss a lot of time. 
Moses Brown has been the guy that's putting up huge numbers. But Bradley is just another center in the mix. So you've got Brown, you've got Roby, and you've got Bradley. Now, I can see a scenario where Horford has a fake injury and doesn't play the rest of the year, and Brown plays 27 minutes a night, and Bradley plays 21, and then Baisley's shoulder gets him out for the rest of the season. So Pokyshevsky and Roby play minutes there at the four and the three together, and that gets it done. So if I had Moses Brown, I'm not dropping him. Al Horford, I pretty much am in a, in most cases. I just think he's going to sit so many games and he's going to play fewer minutes in the games that he plays as well. So I don't think that overall value is going to be enough for me for Horford. I'm not adding Maladon. Uh, Pokyshevsky, maybe, but not convinced. Isaiah Roby, again, fringe, not really. Tony Bradley, I don't really see it, even though he had that one big game. I'm not sure that he's going to come in and just take all of Moses Brown's minutes. It's a possibility and I want to watch it, but it's very, 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 very far from a guarantee in that scenario. So that's, it's not one that I'm particularly um, interested in from a fantasy perspective. This team went absolutely bananas in terms of making moves. I wonder if they watched any YouTube videos of Orlando Magic Rebuilds. It's a, it's a possibility, I guess. I don't know where you'd find one of those videos, but it's a possibility that this team did because they brought in Jeff Teague, who will be waived. They brought in Gary Harris. Nice, Gary! RJ Hampton, Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr. And going out, Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Gary Clark, and the Chief El Farouk Aminu. So that's a lot. Right, so what's their lineup going to be? Well, Cole Anthony's still out, so we get Michael Carter-Williams starting. And then... Gary Harris, he's injured. When does he start? I, I'm not sure. Will RJ Hampton get starts immediately? Will Dwayne Bacon be the starter? I'd love to see Hampton, but Steve Clifford is not the greatest option for looking at rookies. Um, I'm not... Yeah, like I, then small forward, James Ennis. Otto Porter, I think Otto Porter apparently will not be getting a buyout and will play for the Magic. I think Otto Porter's got a real spot here to reclaim some of his value. He hasn't played in like two years and he's played poorly. I think there's a massive opportunity for him to put up some good numbers. Um, Chuma Kiki probably starts at the four. And while I like Chuma, he's not the guaranteed best fantasy value player, but I do think that there is some there is some potential for him to be a 12-team guy. I wouldn't say he's must-roster, though, in this scenario. But RJ Hampton's a very interesting one. Now, I don't know how they're going to use him, but if they just said, screw this shit, we're giving him 30 a night, I would add him. I, I don't think they will, but I very much would want to pay attention to that and see what they do. Do I think Mo Bumba will become the starting center? No, he was the third string center, so maybe they move him ahead of Ken Birch, but I'm not convinced of that. I think Wendell Carter comes in and is the starting center and he's someone that I would add in all formats. I think he's one of the biggest winners of the entire trade deadline from his fantasy value. I think Otto Porter is also a guy that we can add. And Terrence Ross, if he's on your waiver white, which he is in a lot of places, 63% rostered on Yahoo, Terry Ross, add him. I know he's out, but he's going to take every shot in the world. So Terry Ross, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter. When Cole Anthony comes back, I'm adding him. Uh, Chuma Akiki, maybe. He think he's more of a 14-team league ad. Keeping an eye on what happens with Mo Bamba. Keeping an eye on Gary Harris. Keeping a big eye on RJ Hampton. There's a lot that's changing here. A, a big, big amount. And there is a lot of fantasy value to be mined from this Orlando Magic team. Let's go on to the next one. It is the Philadelphia 76ers. By the, at the time I'm recording this, they are playing in a game on um, on Thursday, but they don't have all these guys in. George Hill apparently is going to be back, it looks like, within a week or so from his thumb surgery, and then Iggy Brisdakis comes in, and they lost Tony Bradley, Terrence Ferguson, and Vincent Poirier. So at the moment, they're starting Mike Scott with Dwight Howard off the bench, and it, it probably gives you confidence that Joel Embiid's fine and he's going to be back really soon. Um 
So Howard does have some short-term value. I'm not that interested in Mike Scott as a guy. George Hill, I don't think is going to be a 12-team league guy, probably more 16-teamer. He probably takes a little bit off the top of Seth Curry, a little bit away from Danny Green, quite a bit away from Shake Milton, and a little bit away from Matisse Thibel as well. I just don't fully know how all that rotation looks. There are still some uh, some question marks as to how that's all going to go. But I think there is going to be some hit to, to Green, to Curry, to Thibel, to Milton, uh, to Korkmaz, um, and, and Maxi and Joe. Those guys just aren't going to play, nor is uh, Iggy Brazdakis. So, yeah, I think a little bit of a hit for some of those blokes there that were providing some interesting value, like uh, Thibel and Milton at the moment. They are going to lose out when George Hill is... Um, when George Hill is up and ready to go, let's talk Portland Trailblazers. They are, I believe, are they playing today? I'm all over the shop with what's actually going on with games at the moment. Yeah, they're playing as we currently speak, of course, not with a full rotation. But they bring in Storm and Norman Powell. They lose Rocket Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. Um, Powell... I think he's still going to have value. I'm not saying that he's going to be a drop. I think he loses a little bit of value potentially. The worry I have with him is, and I've been worried about his shooting forever, but he's shooting like 45% from three or something, is that him on this team where the offense isn't quite the same, where the players he's playing with aren't quite the same. Lillard and McCullum, way bigger ball hogs than Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. That's a difference. Will he start over Derek Jones or does Terry, Terry Stotts, who's been really adamant about having... Um, guys like Jones in that starting lineup and Covington to provide that defense. Will they will they keep Powell in a bench role? So there's a chance instead of 35 minutes a night, he plays 32 or 31 minutes a night. There's a chance that his percentages drop. There's a chance that it doesn't. Like There's a chance that nothing changes here for Norm Powell. So he's not a drop, but he's definitely a guy that I'm a bit worried about, about losing value. Now, Ennis Cantor's also losing value, not because of trades, but because Yusuf Nurkic is coming back on Friday, um, limited minutes initially. I think this hurts Mallow. I think it hurts Derek Jones. Um, even though two guys are out of that rotation, Powell is going to get some value, but it helps a guy like Nasir Little or Anthony Simon stick in for back-end type value. Does it hurt a guy like Covington? Maybe a little bit. Does it hurt CJ a little bit? Maybe, but probably not really. Uh, I'm just super interested to see how Powell's shooting looks and how he fits in with your Nurkic, McCullum, Covington, Lillard. You know, when he gets that opportunity, is he a 30-minute-a-night guy or a 35-minute-a-night guy? They are the big questions. I am a little bit concerned about where he sits in that whole mix in Portland. The Sacramento Kings. Again, they're a team that is playing here on Thursday, but you know, without their full complement of players. They bring in quite a few guys. DeLon Wright, Terrence Davis, Flaming Mo Harkless, and Chris Silva. They lose Corey Joseph, Nemanja Bielitsa, and then they waived Fyundu Kabangale, who they literally just traded for. One of the dumbest trades I've ever seen. So they've waived him now, and Jabari Parker also waived. And I wonder if Jabari Parker's... And just let me... This gives me an opportunity. We're talking Sacramento. We're talking about high draft picks with big names getting waived. Stop holding on to DeMarcus Cousins. There's so many people who are still holding out hope that he's going to find this huge role. I, just, I think you're wasting your time. Maybe it does, but the percentage chance of that paying off is pretty bloody low. Um, for the Kings, D-Lon, I think, loses quite a bit of value here because as I talked, or I think I talked about yesterday, he comes in and he was the starting point guard in Detroit. When he was their starting shooting guard to begin this year and then moved to a backup shooting guard, his value was not very good. But then when everyone went down and he was handling the ball, the assists went through the roof, the usage went up, the minutes went up. But now, De'Aaron Fox handles the ball. Tyrese Halliburton handles the ball. Harrison Barnes is up to his assists. Buddy Heald is up to his assists. So D-Line might have similar minutes. He was getting 28 minutes a night recently for Detroit. 
but those ball handling opportunities and probably usage is also going to fall off. So while he's not a guaranteed drop, I think we could head in that direction, and that's something for us to watch for. Will Terrence Davis play? Maybe, but it's not going to make a difference. Same with Mo Harkless. It's Chris Silver. These guys aren't going to have any sort of impact. Yeah, it might be the occasional game that they, they pop in and, and do something. But, you know, Bill Itzer wasn't an every-night player. Parker never played. Joseph played those 20 minutes, and D-Line just takes those. So they're the big changes there is getting D-Line right in for the Sacramento Kings. Next up, we're looking at the San Antonio Spurs. They bring in Marquise Chris. That means absolutely nothing, but it is the first time they've made a trade since the Nando DiColo for Austin Day deal, Um, and it's for a guy that's not going to play at all. So yeah, (laughs) think about that, whatever you will. Um, The Raptors. Okay, some big news here. Gary Trent comes in. Rocket Rodney Hood comes in while they lose Norman Powell. Matt Thomas, they sent to Utah, and Terrence Davis, they sent to Sacramento. And the biggest news, I guess, is Kyle Lowry did not get traded. So Lowry is still here. Powell had been starting. Do they put Trent in to start, or do they go back to a Chris Boucher or Aaron Baines as a starter at center? Are they a destination for Andre Drummond as a buyout? I don't know. I look, Trent was a guy that played 33 minutes a night or so when McCullum was out and was not a top 150 player. Do I expect him to be a top 150 player in Toronto? I think you know what my answer is going to be. The answer to that is no. Can you add him in points leagues because he scores a bit and hits some threes? Sure, if you want to do that. And he can be an interesting stream for those two categories. And that has value in itself. But an anemically low rebound and assist guy, an okay steals player, but has poor field goal percentage and isn't a lead in free throws. It's not the makings of a great category league player. He is more of a streamer than a must roster guy. Could it help someone like OG Ananobi? Yeah, I, I think it can. But what about Scarf? OG. Balenciaga stop ones. OG. Uh, you better stop OG. Now, people playing on ESPN, I don't know where your hands are. I'm sure they're both on your dicks because, uh, well, dick, whatever, because he's rostered in 76% of leagues. This is a top 50 player, uh, OG Ananobi. I don't know what you guys are doing, but fix it. He's a must-roster guy in every single format. I think this does help him get a little bit of a bump in usage. Again, I'm not convinced that Trent has that great value. And then Hood goes onto the bench and battles with Bembry and Johnson and yeah, Malachi Flynn and those sort of players who yeah, they're not really going to make any sort of dent in any sort of um, in any sort of uh, fantasy league. Really, if we if we think about it. This one's not either. The Jazz bring Matt Thomas in. Maybe if Jordan Clarkson you know, needs a rest because he can't shoot anything at the moment. When Mike Conley sits out, Thomas can come in, provide six minutes of hot shooting, but yeah, nothing to really see there. Four fantasy leagues. And then the last team is one with a little bit more interest, and that is the Washington Wizards, who um, make some moves. Flaming Bo Wagner, who played well last game, he's out. Uh, Troy Brown Jr., who wasn't playing at all, he's out, and they bring in Dan Gafford and Chandler Hutchison. And Scott Brooks says, oh, no, we'll play him first game. Like, cool. So who is Hutchison replacing? Does that mean Denny Avdi is out of the rotation? Does that mean Garrison Matthews is out? I'm not looking at these guys as uh, interesting fantasy ads. I would keep an eye on Dan Gafford. Now, we still have Alex Lennon and Robin Lopez there, and Scott Brooks has been horrendous with consistency with those center rotations. But if they say Gafford is our guy and plays 28 a night, then he's a guaranteed must-roster player. I have significant doubts that that's what he would do. And there's no guarantee he even is part of the rotation every night because that's what Brooks does with centers. But he's a name to watch. Does it help a Rui Hachimura? Not really. Look, they Wagner wasn't playing. Brown wasn't playing. I don't think it really changes anything for these guys. Uh, it just maybe it brings in more uncertainty with Len and with Avdia if they're going to play Hutchison, uh, with Garrison Matthews there, Isaac Bonga. Like, but this is not really going to make gigantic impacts, I wouldn't have thought. 
All right, so let's have a look at some big ads. Again, these are just guys that I think if they're available. I think you got to add them. Rob Williams, like that's a guarantee. Kevin Porter, you got to add them. And I'm saying these because they're not rostered in all leagues. Terrence Ross, Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr., three Orlando Magic guys. I think they are all worth adding across most fantasy leagues, if not all fantasy leagues. And then if we look at guys who could become drop candidates, they're not there yet, but they could become it. Aaron Gordon, I think that's a possibility. Evan Fournier, we will see. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, when Lonzo comes back, probably. Tyler Hero, very hard for me to see him remaining a must-roster player. And then Daniel Tice, uh, absolutely no chance that he remains a must-roster player in this scenario. So he's going to be a droppable guy. That is a lot of talking about the trade deadline and Reek. And this stuff will change because I'm trying to make guesses of how everyone's rotation will go and their roles will go. And I don't know that because the teams don't know that because they haven't seen the players around. And that will change over the next week or so as things adjust and as random players get bought out and bullshit goes down right across the NBA. So we'll update all of that across Basketball Monster as well, and we'll talk about it on here. Guys, don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.